another episode of breaking mayberry the podcast that now must legally split its possessions with another human being that's right i am i am in wedlock i have we we've returned after our hiatus because i was getting married y'all i i i'm one of your hosts i'm marty schneider and uh my wife sarah now owns half of this podcast sorry dan yeah partially me now yeah, no, my my wife my wife actually owns twenty five percent of Dan uh, stakes in Dan Ludwig now. If I if I do a witticism, Sarah's got a quarter of that thing. Yeah, yeah, she uh, gets a piece of it. We I I got married. Dan was my best man. Gave a a rousing speech, a very good best man speech. I fucking crushed uh, it. You nailed it. Everyone was very proud of you. We're all very good, very proud of you. Uh, you managed to strike that balance between. This is a legit compliment. Like a lot of best man speeches are just like come up and like, hey, remember how my friend is a piece of shit? <laughs> <laughs> remember how how like you're an idiot for marrying this asshole? Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, you did some of that. You were just like, but you were like, you were just like, I, hey, Marty, you you you, you called me accurately a, a cynical curmudgeon, which is true, right? Yeah. Like, like. So you you managed to thread that needle very nicely, and it was it was well done, well crafted. Up until the last minute, I was adding and deleting insults, trying to get the balance just right. Where I'm like, I want to hurt his feelings, but not. I don't want to hurt his feelings this much before I say the nice stuff, and uh, I feel like it's getting too nice. I gotta add it in. No, I shouldn't literally call him a dick in front of his family. Eh, just like. I think it was it was such a fine line to walk. I could I could see the the love that you put into it, and I appreciate that. Of um, course. I want to tell a story. <laughs> I want to tell a story. I know that I, we make fun of podcasts for honey for vacation stories, but I went on a honeymoon, so I get to do this. We went to Saint Lucia, which is an island in the Caribbean, pretty close to like South America at that point. Like I could have gotten on a boat and gone to uh, Venezuela. Um, and spent a good time of there just chilling out, looking at cool birds, but also spent a lot of time looking at, uh, like, hiking and walking around. Sarah dragged my ass up not one, not two, but three mountains. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are two main mountains in St. Lucia uh, where you uh, – that are, like, UNESCO heritage sites. These are, like, the places to go. They are called the Pitons. There is the Gros Piton, the Grand, Grand Piton, uh, and the Petit Piton. Uh, the Grand Piton, obviously, is bigger. But it is actually an easier climb. The Petit Piton is much steeper. It's like a straight vertical walk. So we did the uh, the the Gros Piton. The deal with the Gros Piton is because it is like a heritage site, you have to have a guide. You are not allowed to go up there by yourself. You have to go with someone. And it's kind of like public defenders. It's kind of like an attorney. You can spend money on one. Or they'll just give you whoever's around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, if you go with the one that's, that's like directly appointed... Uh, it's just like whoever's there. So Sarah and I went uh, very early in the morning. We got there at like seven in the morning because we wanted to be there before it got too too hot. And they just gave us the first guy who was this uh, this Rastafarian dude. Sarah and I are disagreeing on what his name was, uh, but it was something with a B and an O. I'm going with Brawny. We've nice. talked about Brody. We've talked about Bunny. I think his name was Brawny. Uh, Brawny is a is a deeply Rastafarian man with his dreads up in a in a bandana, and we talked to him a little bit. Uh, and one of the first things he says, he asks, you know, about our hiking and climbing experience. And I think that I am like trying to prove myself. Like, oh, I I know I know a little bit. I'm not like a complete. And he just kind of says, and I'm going to do a terrible Rastafarian accent here. Yes. No. No, 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 man. No, no, don't worry. Don't worry. I just make conversation. I I hear, but I not really hear, man. Okay. And I start thinking, oh, okay. I I kind of wish you were here. Like, I, I'd like you all here. 
please. And he nudges and goes, you ever meet a man like that? You ever meet someone like that? Who here and not here? And I think, have I ever met a guy who's high at eight in the morning? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yes, I have. (laughs) Have I ever? Several of them on my way to work. Have I ever given that man $50 and asked him to take my wife and I through a dangerous uh, like experience? No, that's a new one on me. Um, so, like, what the first thing he does is like, go looking for his walking stick, which he keeps in a bush. Mm-hmm. And he just digs through the bush. And it takes yes. him. It takes him a minute to find the stick. Wait, wait, and I he pulls a, it out. Need, and it's. <laughs> I, I sorry. Pause. I need detail. How old is this man? Is he twenties, fifties? What is it? Where's he at? Cause looking for a walking stick for a young man is weird. Looking for it for like a 50 year old guy. It's like, yeah, he needs his fucking stick. He could, he could have been anywhere in between there, man. He mm. could have been, he could have been, he was also like, he was also like a hundred pounds, right? Like he's this skinny, scrawny ma- black man with, with dreads that he's wrapped up. I have no idea how old he is. I'm going to put him at, Twenty-seven, thirty-five to forty. <laughs> it's a timeless human being. Just, I, I don't think he was here, but he wasn't here, Dan. He doesn't exist on our plane. Yeah, and I know that he doesn't exist on our plane because you know how most guides of things will guide you, mm-hmm. like will hang around and point stuff out and do. That wasn't Brawny style. Brawny showed us like the on the model where we would go, and he then he goes, "Okay, let's go," and he just goes he just moves because that is all that this man does Mm -hmm. this man smokes weed and walks up a mountain that is this entire his entire life and i don't know i pardon me thinks that that is probably the best life that you could live but that's what he does so he just kind of goes and like if he gets too far ahead he'll sit and walk wait for us but so he goes sarah's trying to keep try keeps up with him i'm following at a certain point i was just like i'm just doing this at my own pace this hike, Dan, um, you know, I I hike, I rock climb, I'm in pretty good physical shape. You know, this is the fucking hardest physical thing I've ever done. It it was not great, honestly. It was just like being a, on a Stairmaster where you skip every other stair for like 700 feet up. Like, uh, But he just goes, and I don't spend a lot of time interacting with Brawny. I don't. Uh, he doesn't talk a whole lot. He's just like, just kind of waits and hangs out with us. Until we get about a hundred yards from the uh, from the summit. We're like hanging out at base camp where there's like a little spot or a hammock you can hang out or whatever. And Brawny just kind of, you know, sits down. And by the way, it's fine that I don't have any interactions with him, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's he, his job is to go up and down a mountain uh, and make small talk. He doesn't have to deal with you know our our white nonsense. He doesn't have to deal with our mm-hmm. bullshit. But then we get almost there, and he pulls opens up his little bag, and he pulls out a fucking shopping bag full of weed. Yes, a shopping bag full of weed, like like one of those thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you bags. And it is just coat. Some of it's still on the like on the branch. Basically, he's mm-hmm. pulling nuggets just straight off. And crushing him in his hand and just rolling himself up a joint. Like, okay, it's up there. You ready? Whenever you are, just rolling it up. And so we get up there. We're hanging out. It was, it was nice. I saw a family of mongooses. That was cool. Ooh. Yeah, that was fun. Um, but he just kind of sits there. He rolls his joint. He smokes it. And he just waits for us to like get ready to go back. And then, then Brawny became very talkative. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot more talkative and a lot more vocal. Um, listen, I obviously have no problem with marijuana. Yes. Uh, I am a, I use it, you know, sometimes myself. Uh, I have no issues with this, but I think we can all agree that weed guy is like top five, most annoying kind of guys to be around. Right. Yes. Yeah. And espe- especially the like, it's a magical herb kind of weed guy. He was giving what, you the pitch? I mean, I was just like, you don't have to pitch this to me. I was, I had to sit there and wonder. My, my big point was just like, why do you need so much? Why do you yeah. need so much right now? You can leave some at home. No one is taking anything. We're on a mountain. 
there's nobody here. Who are you selling to? A fuck. A hawk flew by, like, Meh! and he was like, "Hey, man, I got the good shit." So, oh God, Marty, I got something to tell you, bud. You're a square. He looked at you and was like, I got to explain weed to this man. I'm not a square because he rolled me two joints at the peak of that mountain and just gave them to me. He just gave me. So, like, that's a good thing, right? I have have weed rolled at the peak of a mountain. That is cool. That is a vacation story. But here's the thing, right? Like I said, he became a lot more talkative and a lot more vocal in general Mm -hmm. and sang a lot. And the thing about the thing about that kind of particular weed guy is they know a ton of songs, uh, but they're all about weed. Mm-hmm. And they were kind of like the, uh, well, you know, when my first apartment, there was a guy above us who would play a parody song of Margaritaville where it has changed to Marijuanaville. Mm-hmm. And he would play that over and over and over again, probably because he was uh, on something much harder than weed and probably unconscious at that point. But he would just play it. Over and over and over again, uh, and I never really understood that parody because it's just it's just swapping out one depressant drug for another. It doesn't do anything. Margarita anyway, is all kind of already about smoking a lot of weed. Yeah, it, it's already pretty much there. I'm pretty sure they mentioned smoking weed in the song. Anyway, but you know that kind of level of like yeah. not clever parody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bronny knew a lot of those. Oh. He knew a lot of those like parody songs. But he was also not really good at singing, so you would have to kind of guess what the rhythm was supposed to be. Like, like high grade is going to my head. That mm. is why my eyes will be turning red. It takes an hour and a half to get down the mountain, Dan. And that is <laughs> at a strong rate. That's at a good pace. You can't tell him to shut the fuck up, because if anything no. goes wrong, you're screwed. Right, right. And I, I was not very, like, psyched about this. He actually, like, told us on the way down, like, you go in front of me because I don't want to get you high in my tailwind. Like, and I, I was like, I can't. And other people would pass us as they go by. And I'm like, oh, what's up? Your guide's hanging out with you? That's cool. That's all right, man. It's cool. I got, I got Brody here. And I was like, I was worried because, uh, hey, fun fact, I'm going to take a little slide here into uh, St. Lucian politics. Uh, I was on a part of the island that didn't have a hospital. <laughs> didn't have a hospital. And I'm, I'm, it's okay. It's, it's inaccurate to say it doesn't have a hospital. Um, that part of, of the island of St. Lucia did have a hospital once, and it was apparently a very beloved hospital, very beloved institution, uh, but it burned down in 2009. It burned down in 2009. That was 13, that was 14 years ago, and it's taken them this long to get the rebuilding done. Oh, what they have Jesus. done since then, what they have done since then is their hospital takes place in uh, an Olympic stadium. Like, they have one Olympic track field that has never hosted a single race, apparently, according to the locals. They built this stadium uh, to host, like, not the Olympics, but like, like the World Games, the World Youth Games. And then the, the hospital burned down, and they've been inside of this stadium for 13, 14 years. And here's the, oh thing about, here's the thing about a stadium. When you don't use it as a stadium for 13 years, it starts to fall the fuck apart. Mm-hmm. Um, it has gone through three different prime minister tenures before this thing gets built. So now that now this, the hospital is just a decaying stadium where like ceiling panels are just dropping off. And while well, doctors are like, Oh shit, there's another one. <laughs> and, uh, I feel like I, and they, they, they don't like to say this. Cause I've got a feeling like if, you know, I feel like a lot of tourists probably wouldn't do things like climb up a mountain when you know that there's no hospital. Side note, I absolutely love the people of St. Lucia. I didn't expect to fall in love with the people of this island so much, but it was great. Uh, and I'm really pissed on their behalf for how that played out. It's like they they have not built the um, the hospital back up. They have, however, put a bunch of like sold a bunch of land in South St. Lucia to Chinese investors to try to build a horse racing track. Never <laughs> that never worked. <sighs> Because they wanted casinos. And the more I thought about it, the dumber of an idea that is. It's a really dumb idea to have a horse racing track on an island. You can't. Yeah, it's hard to get horses to and from that. <laughs> you can't get you horses. Put a out. horse on a boat? <laughs> uh, anyway, so that is so that is how I eventually did get down kind of on my own 
Bronny seemed I, I he's got his lot in life. He knows his role. He's here, but he's not here. Uh, great times. I didn't die. Um, and honestly, I got to be honest. I can't say I recommend that hike. Like, yeah, it's it's more of a like if you want to do like an endurance thing, like you want to like show off your physical strength. Great. I think next if I go again, I'm gonna do the 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 really steep one because at least that'll be interesting. I might die. Yeah. So it is. It's so sad. Weed guy used to be such a wonderful figure, but the problem is, is there's not really anti weed guy anymore. Like, yeah, like weed guy requires his nemesis guy who hates weed, but that doesn't really exist anymore because everybody's Republican uncle now smokes blunts. So like, it's th- just the magic is completely gone for. It. In fact, there's no more non weed guy. Everybody is weed guy now. So being the guy that's super into weed is kind of just being like, like or, or 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 you become a weed nerd. Like all you do is just list off different types of strains and compounds and chemistry in there, and like well, now I, that's you're fun a guy for that's a couple really, of minutes. Now you're a guy that's really into beer, and that guy sucks. Like they <laughs> used to be like subversive, but in a fun way. But now there's nothing. Ah, oh, the magic's gone from it. But um, so. I have I, my thing I need to tell you about is um so how did you spend your hangover day after your wedding party? Uh I ordered room service at the hotel. I actually did go back to the venue and pick up our shit and then I don't remember. Okay. So <laughs> that was <I> Sunday. <laughs> I woke up after your wedding um and I you know I was stumbling around kind of you know holding it together. And I walk into my kitchen, and what I'm greeted by is, like, 50 flies. So I methodically kill them one by one. I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird. I don't know how a bunch of flies got in here. Um, I haven't taken out the trash yet. Were, um, they, like, were they, like, big flies? Or were they, like, little fruit flies. fly fuckers? Okay. Big motherfuckers. Like, house okay. flies. Okay. Um, so I, like, methodically kill them all, and I'm like, I wonder, and they, they just kind of keep coming back. Like one of, there's just suddenly another fly. And I'm like, where the fuck are they coming from? So I go into my new basement. I just moved into a house. Um, and I am greeted by dozens of flies. Who oh, just like no. explode out of my basement. And I go downstairs and there are so many flies, not hundreds, but triple digits, a lot of fucking flies. And it turns out that what, <laughs> like at least a hundred, not hundreds, flies. okay, not, not hundreds, hundreds but... plural, but at least a hundred. Okay, like, okay. So a lot of fucking flies, and it turns out that the people that lived in my house before me, there's like a a, a window out of my basement, um, that is open, that was open a crack. They left it open just like a little bit, and in that crack, like a fly, they, they... a fly nest was created. And those flies got into my basement and bred and filled my basement. So I spent the next five hours committing what I can only describe as fly Ah! genocide. Oh, God. I methodically, I got a spray bottle full of cleaning supplies. And you're so hungover right now. And I'm so hungover and a paper towel. And I methodically stalked my basement killing flies, finding their nests, killing their children. Like, I became a different creature. After, like, I thought, I was like, all right, I'll spend a half hour killing the fucking flies. This will take a second. Um, And then cut to three hours later. I am no longer this, a person. There is, is so nothing, gross. There is nothing to me except the murder of insects. I'm like, I, and it truly... <laughs> felt like genocide after this a certain point gross. because I, I was like methodically killing them one by one and i was like should i feel bad about the amount of death i am inflicting i'm like well they're subhuman so it doesn't count and i'm like well nope that feels that feels more like it now that feels worse um i mean they, they literally are not human but yeah okay this is this is gross man 
It was this grotesque. Is, I was like, this is Brianna our... was like out running errands the entire day, and she would check in and be like, "Hey, babe, how's it going? How's the stuff with the basement?" I'd be like, I would just text her, be like, "I'm not a person anymore. All right, I don't know who I am. I've been in this basement so long. This place is a carnival of death, and I belong here." Like I was just stalking around, being like, "This is my house. You can't have it. This is my home. Okay." I pay too goddamn much to live here to share it with flies. Like, I at one point I went to the hardware store and I bought a bunch of fly paper and I was like, "Do you have anything else that can kill a bunch of flies?" And he was like, "Poison." And I just like slammed my card down on the counter, be like, "Give me all of it." <laughs> like I was like wild eyed because again hungover, like throbbing pain in my head. And I'm just, it was nightmarish experience. I, I was, I am different now. There was who I was before Sunday and there is who it is now. Uh, I am forever changed by what I have seen and what I have done. So. Yeah. So this is, that was, that is one of the grossest intros we've ever done. And we've had multiple intros dedicated to my testicles. Yes. So like, (laughs) that's a good enough note. Let's go ahead and go to our episodes today. We're starting season five, episode eight, Barney's Uniform, written by Bill Idelson and Sam Bobrick. Mm -hmm. Uh, Originally airs November 9th, 1964. That seems like a day that something important happened that I didn't look up. Uh, directed by Kobe Ruskin. It yeah. seems like it's probably seems like it's probably an election day. Your one sentence summary from Wikipedia. Barney starts wearing his uniform all the time after a grocery employee named Fred threatens to beat him up the next time he sees him in plain clothes. Mm-hmm. So, um, we've seen this before. This is this is like almost exactly the same bit as. Barney being bullied by the farmers. Uh, including, including it being the same guy. Same guy, Alan Melvin. It's always this guy. Uh, yeah. But, but he's playing Melvin. different characters. They've had this guy on like six different times. And he's always he's just an guy. asshole. He's their guy. He, he's he's their Lex Luthor, basically. They're like, he's the closest that they have to a Moriarty. Because he's just there when they need somebody to be a dick or a hotel detective. They get this motherfucker in here. Um, I will say, it is better than the Farmers one, sort of. It's sort of better, sort of worse. Um, in that the Farmers were just jerks, um, right. who were mean. Freddy is an American goddamn hero. <laughs> Fred Plummer, I'm getting a tattoo of that man. That will confuse everybody. Because Fred Plummer kicks so much fucking ass because he specifically says hey i respect you right now as a cop but you're a man and i'm gonna beat the shit out of you in fact i'm gonna go tell andy that i'm gonna beat the shit out of you and you know what whatever consequences come of it bring it on do it i don't care i'm gonna beat the shit out of a cop no No fear fear no fucking fear on fred right Fred, now to be, to be clear, Fred 100% does deserve the ticket that Barney gives him, right? Fred, uh, No, okay, so I, okay, so let's, let's go through it, because I did do the math on what the ticket comes out to, and I did notice something on my second watch through. Okay. Um, okay, so do we want to go scene by scene? I mean, we can, we can, yeah, I think so, because the, yeah. I was going to say that this does go fucking wild it follows it follows a a very familiar cadence up into a point and then it takes a very hard turn into something we haven't seen before yeah Uh, something pretty new so so i want to tease that and go on but so okay uh barney and andy are kind of hanging out on the bench outside of the courthouse and barney is just talking about how uh, the dry cleaners lost his suit. And they, continuity, it's still Fred Goss. They're like, God yeah. damn it, Fred Goss, alcoholic, lost my suit. <laughs> why? Shade smoking busybody asshole Fred Goss. <laughs> why, why is the only dry cleaner in this town like, uh, susceptible to regular brownouts? I don't know. <laughs> Someone should look into that. 
the American <laughs> tradition of monopolies run by incompetent old white men. But anyway, he's he's really excited. Uh, or he's upset. He's thinking about his suit. He wanted to take his new suit, his old, well, his salt and pepper suit. Uh, wanted to take it out dancing because there's a dance on Wednesday, and he thinks that suit is just perfect for dancing. Uh, but he doesn't have it, et cetera, et cetera. They see Fred. Fred works uh, for the grocery company, uh, for the grocery store, and he's just sweeping out the sidewalk. But he's sweeping all of the side, the the trash from the sidewalk into the gutter. And Barney and Andy are like, well, we should talk to him about that. And Barney says, I've given him three warnings. I have told him to pick that stuff up and put it in the bin three different times. And what Andy suggests is, well, let's go talk to his boss and have his boss talk to him. And Barney says, no, I'm going to handle this personally. Uh, And uh, he says something to the effect of, like, I'm going to show him who's boss. So this is the important thing is, a low, a non-escalatory way of dealing with this is presented. Something that'll probably get Freddy to stop it. He's, he'll get yelled at by his boss, but won't, like, cause a bunch of problems. So that's important. Um, Barney goes over, and, you know, Fred's like, That's hey, true, man, that's true. And Andy, Andy does offer a solution that doesn't need to be, like, a confrontation, or at least not a confrontation they need to be involved in. In fact, Andy himself... Not because he has any altruistic motives, but because he's a lazy son of a bitch, suggests the part where the police don't get involved. He's like, yes. we, we can involve, we can settle this without direct police confrontation. Yes. Whereas Barney's Barney... like, direct police confrontation! Which, That's my middle um, name! The thing that um, Andy explicitly says is, listen man, you shouldn't go do this right now. You're really pissed off because they lost your suit you should wait a little bit before dealing with this. And Barney is like, no, I'm going to. I, I completely agree that I am about to vent my frustration all over this civilian. Yeah. But fuck it. Um, so he goes over, um, starts yelling at him. Fred just basically says like, hey, I'm not, I'm sorry. I, I'll, I'll, I'll pick it up. I forgot. You did tell me. Um, And Barney says, you're littering. To which Fred says like, I'm not really littering because I'm not putting trash down i'm just taking the trash from over here and i'm putting it over here and i'm gonna pick it up later um so it's not like i mean he should be picking up the fucking trash and not putting it into the street yeah, man. yeah come on man. But it's, it's not like fucking common sense yeah but it, it's dickish but again he's i agree that it's like it's not like he's throwing trash down he's just moving it slightly to Mr. the left he, he's not the source of the trash yes huh. Um, Take that up with the guy that put the trash in the first place. Barney gives him a ticket for four dollars, which thirty-eight dollars. Yeah, yeah, oh, thirty-eight dollars. Fuck you. You have the inflation calculator too. I was proud that I did it this time. Yeah. So thirty-eight dollars. To which Fred says, "Like, are you fucking serious? Thirty-eight dollars?" Because at first he's like, "All right, yeah, give me a ticket." Are you kidding me? Thirty-eight bucks for this? And Barney. <laughs> See, it's it's about the exact amount as getting a parking ticket from the Philadelphia par- Parking Authority. It's like 45 bucks the first time you get a ticket. And it's the same feeling. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me with this bullshit? Yeah. Which the thing Barney cites is that you are obstructing a highway um, by putting trash into it. So I'm going to say it, this interaction is complete horseshit. Yeah. Fred should have been doing his job better. He shouldn't have been putting trash in the street. But Andy's course of action would have completely solved that. Um, and $38 for littering is bullshit. It is a bullshit fine. I mean, I'm, I, I am at the point in my life uh, where, like, a $40 ticket won't break me, but it will ruin my fucking day. Yeah, uh, I'd be but, pissed off. But, but I don't work for a grocery store. When I did work for a grocery store, $40 would destroy my month. I, yes, would be fucking ruined. Like, this yeah. guy, he they specifically say his job is to sweep up at the grocery store. They're not like, oh, uh, you know, he, he's a bagger, but also he's sleeping, uh, sweeping around. It's, no, he's, he's, pay, he's, he's paid he's dog a, shit. He's a grocery store janitor in a town that thinks it's totally fine to have, you know, to, to keep an endangered servant at at the gas station, so yeah. like, so like he's uh, not making much. That that forty dollars is, is hurting him. And yeah, so, he just fucked up the guy's entire month. Yeah. Um. So 
What Fred says, again, American hero deserves to be on the Statue of Liberty in the Andy Griffith universe. What he says is, you're the... I thought like, you were a good guy. Like, like, like piggybacking onto her, or we take I meant out the, the I, meant I Ralph, know, I know you meant, meant Mount Rushmore. Rushmore. I know you but, meant Rushmore. But, but now, but I'm, now yes. I want to play this out. I want to play this. No, out. no, is no. He like, so he, is, is, he so, should okay, be. Ex- yeah. Are, are we? Are we? Are we removing Lady Liberty herself and replacing her with Fred, or is he like mounting her? Is he like dro- like like leg humping her like a dog? I'm or or, glad... or or are they like making out on there? Is is the Statue of Liberty now now Lady Liberty just making out with this guy who threatens cops? Let me answer your question with a question. Have you ever seen Total Recall? <laughs> is he gonna be like a third boob? He no, he's Quado, man. He's coming out of the chest like ah! Okay. I'm sorry. I stand for freedom more than any statue. <laughs> That's agree, how you but... do it. I agree, but like you mentioned Total Recall, I can think it was the lady with the third boob. But okay. It's I, what I, everybody goes to. Well, he will kind of be the third <laughs> boob. I mean, I mean, we're, we're both correct. Okay. Okay. Go on. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> I'm keeping all of that in. What he, what he says is, I thought you were a nice guy. Seemed like a good dude. But now I know you're just a fucking cop. You're just, yes! co- you're just another cop who thinks he's better than me because he's a cop and thinks he can push us normal people around. Well, guess what? I got to do what you say right now because you're a cop, but you got to take off that uniform uh, at some point and then, quote, I am going to break every bone in your body. Just basically multiple different ways of saying I am going to break. Beat the living shit out of you the second you are off duty. Uh, and then Barney is like, you can't threaten an officer. And he's like, I'm not threatening an officer. I'm threatening you after five o'clock. <laughs> like, fucking sick. Kicks ass. The so balls on this man to fucking... threaten a cop with a gun. Just it's, look it's... him in the... It's so weird, and obviously I don't want to watch, you know, Barney Fife shoot a man, but it's so weird that, like, this dude is always, always so ready to to grab the gun for, like, dust bunnies, but, like, when there is a direct threat upon his life, doesn't go, okay, you're under arrest now. Like, as he he very justifiably could have done. He's like, ah, I'm I'm a fucking coward. It is, it is, the, the thing about it is, at no point does anyone even suggest Threat, uh, arresting Fred Plummer because they both know that he would just be like, nah, yeah. not into that. Don't you you defeat me in unarmed combat and then we'll talk about you arresting me. But I don't see it happening. I don't think you got the stones. Even, and then they would just be Andy, like, he's got us there. Even when Andy finds out, like Andy's like, well, I could arrest you, but that would involve doing my job, so... <laughs> well, nah. it has been clearly established in the fa- in the past that if you do not respect Andy's authority, he has no power over you. He has no you. power. He can't do he's, anything. He, he's kind of like Peter I'm, Pan. You have to believe. If not for the fact... If not for the fact that we've seen like others, him talk to other state officials... I would start to wonder if Andy's actually a cop. Like, yeah, I, it kind of seems like like it's he only is in that position because Mayberry just kind of says he thinks he's he thinks he's a yeah. cop. Just let him yeah. go. We've se- we've seen him. We've seen him interact with other police. So that's my only evidence. But man, it really does seem like it's just like a like a big just agreed upon bit that everybody in Mayberry's in on. Like, like, they're all just kind of like, listen, we had fun with you being a cop, but push comes to shove. What are you going to fucking do? <laughs> like, yeah. you got nothing. Um, he's, so, he's, yeah. he's a cop in the same way that, like, your kid is is a restaurateur by serving you, like, lumpy oatmeal and cereal in the morning. Like, it's the same Yeah. Shit. All right. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, so he threatens Barney, and Barney, like, Pisses his pants, basically. Hard cut to to church the next day, where they do a, a cute little thing about the preacher talking about loaded dice. It's like, oh, God always loads the dice against the sinners or some shit like that. And Opie is like, what are loaded dice, Pa? 
And Andy's like, oh, you'll learn about that later when you're a compulsive gambler. Uh, yeah, I was like, that's a weird thing to tell your to tell your son. Like, you'll understand when you're older. Like, you, you can explain to Opie what loaded dice are. He knows what dice, he knows what cheating is. Yeah. You, you just be like, it's a thing that people use to cheat at games. Okay. Weird, weird thing to, but then again, again, once again, Andy's like, well, that would require me to be a parent. So, nah. Listen, I'm going to explain what loaded dice are to you, but when you need them, son, like when they are the only thing standing between you and a pair of concrete shoes, that's when I'll break out the Andy Griffith loaded dice. That's true. He, he's got he's got them up on a box in a box up on a shelf next to his magic fishing rod. Just like yeah. these these are waiting for you when you need them the most. Dope. He's a waiting for you. <laughs> like he he like takes it down and he like blows dust off the box. Be like. I can't tell you how many times these things have saved my life. And now they're they're ready for you and they're like like made out of wood or something. Yeah. Like they'll always land on sixes. Bet on sixes. And Opie's like, dice don't look like this anymore. <laughs> you know that they supply their own dice, we right? Have plastic now. <laughs> Can I have the gun instead? <laughs> I think that'll be more helpful. <laughs> All right, so so yeah, so Barney comes out and uh, the preacher's like, "Hey, I uh, I noticed that you wore your uniform, Barney. You've never done that before. What's the deal?" And Barney says something like, "Oh, I just wanted to, you know, remind everybody that we're always watching. You know, collection plates got a lot of money in it these days, eh? Eh?" And Andy kind of look gives him those the look that Andy gives him the look that I gave my father multiple times at my wedding. The look of the fuck did you just say man <laughs> andy pulls him off to the side and is just like what what the hell man why are you wearing your uniform and barney's like i just want to wear my uniform cut to so the I, yeah one thing barney says like there's a lot of money in that collection plate and the priest gives him a look of like what you saying man huh you saying we're bringing in too much money is that what you're saying you're saying we robbing these people blind huh like he takes offense to it but like in a way of like you saying there's too much money in the collection plate, motherfucker? Huh? What you trying to say? Um, I think he like like his Andy was like, dude, you can't say shit like you can't that. Can't say that. Yeah, the next the next scene is very much the same. Like uh, Barney comes over to him, still wearing the uniform, and Andy's like, "Hey, man, it's your day off. What are you doing? Why are you wearing this?" Uh, and Andy says, or and Barney does the same shtick. Like, why does it bother you so much that I'm wearing my uniform? And they look over, and Fred Goss is there. Fred Goss looks out. He comes out, and he like crosses his arm, and he stares at Barney. And I feel like I wanted him to say, that's not what I meant, and you know it. <laughs> so, okay. Side note, by the way. Side note, yes. I just realized. Uh, throughout this episode, they, they refer to Fred Goss as Mr. Goss every time they have to no, it talk was about old man Goss. Old man Goss. They, right, they do that. And I think I realized that they did that because they also named the bad guy in this episode Fred. So they couldn't say yeah, old they... Fred or whatever. So rather than giving Fred Plummer literally any other name, they this is a brand changed... new character. You could call him anything. Jack, George, Joe. There's so many names, guys. They're just like, no, we're in too deep. We built the entire character around him being named Fred, all right? It's integral. It's integral. We can't change it. I get that you also, didn't have... Also, you could have just had two people named Fred. That's true. That's true. But yeah. not, I would say not in the same episode. That would get confusing. Anyway, yeah, you could have just named him... I know that like you didn't have Find and Replace anymore, but it couldn't be that hard. You had Whiteout. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, maybe they'd already filmed scenes calling him Fred. Like, they didn't start... They didn't do it chronologically. That's true. Uh, yeah. And they, so, they were yeah. like... They so, got yeah. to the part where they had to ca talk about their dry cleaning, and they were like, Fuck! We're so bad at our jobs! So, yeah. Uh, at this point, Fred is, like, looking at him, just kind of arms folded. And Andy starts to be like, So, uh, what's, what's going on, man? What's up? Barney, of course, denies everything and storms off. Uh, and uh, they go into the they go into the office. They're in the sheriff's office. Fred comes in and is like, and Andy says, "Well, hi, Fred." And Barney is just like, 
staring off into space. Oh, oh, we find out that uh, that uh, old man Goss found Barney's suit. This is the right. last straw. They found Barney's suit. They accidentally sent it to a guy named Fitz, not Fife. Uh, yeah. So they've got Barney's suit back. And Andy's like, well, aren't you excited? You can go over there and, and get it now. And you can wear it to the dance on Wednesday. And Barney's like, you know, I was going to wear my uniform on Wednesday. And Andy's like, when was the last time you washed that thing? He doesn't actually say it, but I was thinking it. And I hoped he would yeah. say it. Uh, no, Andy's like, okay, man, what is going on? They could have done a whole thing with Barney's suit starting to smell really bad. They could have been like, hey, man, your uniform is starting to stink. Uh, like, they could have played it up more and be like, yeah, he's wearing it at home. He's They could have shown all the unorthodox places for him to be wearing it. I have to assume he owns more than one uniform, That he, but, like, he wouldn't... It's, it's kind of like the Tobias Funke never nude thing, right? Like, he would never, he would never take this off for fear that, like, Fred's gonna pop out of the closet and be like, BAM! Yeah! So he's wearing you, the like, same he, one over and over. Uh, you could start to do a thing where, like, he starts to take off the suit, and then suddenly Fred's head is just like pops up in a window, and then he puts it back on hastily. He's sleeping in it, right? Yeah, 100%. On the off chance that Fred is like uh, a mythological fe- uh, creature, like he's a djinn that will just appear out of the shadows and sock him in the nose. Fred's so fucking in his head, it's awesome. It rules. Love Fred. It rules. Uh, honestly, so- I... Honestly, honestly, at this point, I would love it if Fred had just been like, man, I don't, I don't even want to hit him anymore. Like, <laughs> this is way better. This is so much better. Yeah, just like, I'm having the time of his life. If anything, I've done more psychological damage than I could ever hope to do with, uh, with my body. Bones heal. Trauma doesn't. Like, this is, this is forever. I'm, do- I'm doing the best. This, this worked out way better than I could have hoped for. I didn't know I've what was, I was getting into. He's worn the same outfit for days. That's you can't you can't buy that kind of punishment. Hell yeah. People are crossing the street when they see him because of the smell. Like Yeah. So anyway, so so Fred does in fact come in to pay his ticket. Uh Fred comes in to pay his ticket and uh Barney won't even look at him and then he runs away. He's like, I'm gonna go out and he disappears. Uh oh. Fred comes in like really swinging dick, just yeah. like like kind of like struts in in a suit, be like, "I'm gonna pay your bullshit ticket," and then looks Andy dead in the eye and just goes like, "Hey, I just want you to know, uh, I'm going to beat the piss out of your deputy." And Andy's like, "Well, I think you shouldn't do that." And then Fred's like, "That's none of your business. It's between me and him." To which I would say, Fred, then why did you tell him? Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah, be like, I, Andy's like, I feel like I should intervene, and then Fred's like, I don't see how that's any business of yours. Even if he wasn't a cop, you are telling a guy, and and Andy doesn't even say like, hey, you're not allowed to do that. Andy's just like, I don't agree with that course of action. Yeah, I'm sorry, and Fred's I, like, what are you, my dad? Fuck off. I'm sorry, like you can't tell a cop that I'm gonna go beat up that guy. That's not yeah. You should be. There should be things that happen from that. Oh, and that's actually a good a good uh, side note here. That's a good way to slide this. Uh, there is a little bit of disagreement in this about this show in uh, episode in the ultra reliable Mayberry Wiki. Uh, you fandom user Bilden uh, posted on three twenty eight twenty twenty one another example of terrible sheriffing. The guy threatens Barney. And I'm sorry, Bilden? Can I can I see his post history? Like, because he says another example. Uh, I can't. I can't. Does, is he is he doing our job? No. Uh, he. We found a heretic. Another example of terrible sheriffing. The guy threatens Barney with physical harm. Barney is not only a police officer but a good friend of Andy, and Andy does nothing. Question mark. Question mark. With friends like Andy, who do, who needs enemies? Question mark. Question mark. And then a year later, uh, April of 2022, uh, an anonymous fandom user says, if you thought Andy did nothing, then you watched a different episode than most of the rest of us. Most of the rest of us. 
Uh, also, in 2019, a fandom user said, The end of this episode is the same as the beginning of Season 1, in Episode 18. Interesting. I don't remember that. Um, and so, yeah. So, the question is, does, does Andy do something? Uh, what Andy does is... Well, Weird. I, I am going to. I'm going to say, Fred doesn't seem to totally understand how cops work. I, I I think we can attribute some of this up to being courageous, but also some of it to he's having a little bit of trouble wrapping his head around the cop thing. As it, it as ex, as exampled in his conversation with Andy, he is very lucky. That he ha- that he happens to have recently moved into a town where his understanding of cops completely lines up with the way it works. <laughs> um, so yeah, so then um, Andy finally confronts Barney about what is going on, and we get to the left turn that you talked about. Yeah. So, so Barney does confess what's going on. Uh, but in true Barney fashion, he says, listen, I can't take my uniform off because I've been studying my judo. I've been going out to Mount Pilot and doing my judo, and my hands are deadly weapons, Andy. If I take my uniform off, that's like goading him into a fight, and I don't I don't want to hurt the man. You seen Con Air, Andy? I don't want to get Con Aired. <laughs> They'd eat me alive. Have you seen that movie? Steve Buscemi's in it. He's a serial killer. They'll fuck me up. You got that boy, that, that guy, uh, the John Malkovich. Malkovich. Yeah. Malkovich. Oh, I can't. I can't. I can't die hard on a plane, Andy. You know how the kind of vertigo I get. Let's see what happens. Okay, so so Barney says he's been practicing his judo and he doesn't want to uh, to hurt the man. And then Andy does some investigation into this. Rather than do anything, he drives to Mount Pilot. He does so much more work. He does so he much more work. He goes completely in the wrong direction. <laughs> Literally, he drives over to Mount Pilot and goes and talks to Barney's judo instructor. <laughs> he's like, he tries to solve the mystery of whether or not Barney is good at judo, which is the thing he should be the most sure of in the world, that the answer is no. Like, on the off chance of, like, oh, is my uh, buck 30 soaking wet uh, like homunculus full of dead leaves deputy, d- within the last six months, did he become physically capable? Uh, and so you texted me when we were talking about this that uh, racism is a factor in uh, in this, which didn't occur to me the first time I watched it. Yeah, um, I mean they they it's it's my it's not that bad. I'm okay, no, no, I'm not gonna say that. Okay, it's, it's here's here's it's the, mild. Here's they it's 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 not egregious. They they do they do the thing where he doesn't use uh uh verb tenses, you know. He doesn't use you okay, or that, okay. you know. So they int- we're gonna I'm just gonna kinda I think the way to do it is like I don't wanna rate amounts of racism that's a good idea that's a good idea so i think i'm going to present the various facts of the uh judo instructor character whose name is uh mr izamoto 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 yeah so they introduce uh barney's uh the instructor of barney's dojo mr izamoto played Um, by uh yuki shimoda uh yes who is Apparently just had a bunch of film appearances all throughout the 60s and through the 80s. Um, so despite the fact that he is from California and speaks perfectly good English, they do make that character speak in like, um, b- not broken English, but like, you know, the thing where like he doesn't say, uh, he, he doesn't say uh, prepositions. Um, like he says like, oh no, he kill him. Like, right, right. It's not it, like, prep, that's the word I was looking for. Prepositions. He doesn't use prepositions. Uh, it's not uh, breakfast at Tiffany's bad yeah. by any metric. Like, if kind of, if you're not listening for it, you he does. Can, but you can he, miss he it. does do the Charlie Chan voice, right? A like, little bit, yeah. And um, and, and, and when, it's that, and and the music that they play when music. he's on is it's not quite, but it's close. There's a gong. Yeah. They, yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's not, it's not egregious, but it's also there. 
Um, on the on the upside, um, Mr. You know, Izumoto kicks ass. <laughs> that's the flip side. Is Mr. 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 Uh, Izumoto rules? Best Their character we've seen in a never... long time. That's okay. It's it's kind of the flip thing, which is like, um, you know, but the main this guy being kick ass doesn't excuse whether or not it's racist. It doesn't make it not racist if it uh if he fucking rules. But that said. He is, the joke is never on Mr. Izumoto. Mr. Izumoto does nothing but beat ass. Uh, he fucking rules. Um, and he is the best guy. He is a complete bro. He fucking uh, rules. Like, like he comes, like, Andy comes in and is like, hey, man, um, can I ask you a question about one of your students? And Izumoto's like, yeah, man, what's up? You know Barney? And he's like, oh, yeah, Barney. He's basically, he's like, Barney. Good guy, like him, tries really, really hard. He comes in here and he gives it 110%. Um, and then Andy goes, uh, basically, is like, uh, if he were to get into a fight, how do you think he'd do it? He basically he asks, like, well, how much does this guy weigh? About 200 pounds. Oh, no, he'll fucking kill him. You yeah. got to stop that. Are you his friend? Are you his friend? Do you like you him stop at that all? fight. That man will you kill him. Leave he- you leave here. You go stop that from happening. I don't care what you got to do. And he says uh, <laughs> we call him the chicken because his bones are so brittle that they'll easily break. Uh, but so I, basic- I, I do like this. I like this little bit of character bit. They call him the chicken and Andy goes, oh, because he's scared of stuff. And, and, and Mystery Moe's like. He's not scared of anything. We call him the chicken. Yeah. We call him the chicken because he's he'll snap. But like, I, I like that little bit of characterization. If you're you creating your Barney D and D your character sheet right now, Barney was just rushes into everything. He's not scared at all in that judo class. He's just ready to kick some ass all the time. He just sucks at it. I like that little bit of characterization. Uh, I it, want- it it cre- it's a great image of Barney going in there, giving a hundred and ten percent, not giving up, but just getting absolutely wiped out by the children's class. Just like just getting fucking annihilated to the point that where they're like, we have to be careful because we are all aware we could kill this man by accident. I want to say it's very interesting that you and I are sitting there like poking at like how racist this portrayal is, whereas a fandom user uh, on the ultra-reliable Mayberry Wiki is using this, is using uh, Mr. Isamoto's existence as a, uh, as a defense, right, as a way to show how progressive the, the show, the episode was. Well, let me, let me, let me explain this a little bit. So, anonymous fandom user in 2017 says, what a bizarre plot. When in the world have we ever seen any hint that there were a- any Asian or Asian American persons anywhere within the vicinity of Mayberry? The plot mm. premise of a wimpy character being bullied by somebody else is certainly related enough to the show, but that particular turn of the plot just seems to come out of nowhere. So to be clear, this guy is not upset about I mean, yes, there no, is No, it sounds a- like he's upset that there's an Asian guy in the yeah, show. Yes, there there is a weird turn right here. What Andy's about to do is very weird, and it's a very weird out-of-nowhere thing. But that's not the part this guy sounds upset about. The guy sounds upset that there's an Asian guy on his show. A year later, a different fandom user uh, says, well, listen, uh, we've seen, we've seen uh, a Chinese restaurant. Apparently in season seven, Aunt B might buy a Chinese restaurant. Spoiler alert. So hell yeah. So he's using uh, the they... existence of Mr. Izumoto as, as an argument that, uh, that the Andy Griffith show was actually very progressive ahead of its time, introducing characters of color uh, and different ethnicity as respected citizens in the community. And then pulling out the whiteboard and doing the whole, see, there's black people in the background kind of thing that we've seen yeah. a million times before. I, I, it's I so mean, weird how many different angles we're all approaching this from. <laughs> I mean, okay. I'm going to say it right now. One. Like number one, that's still bullshit, right? We've seen how we've said how many times that's bullshit. Cause there already were like plenty of black and Asian roles on TV at the time. You're not trailblazers. Yeah, so yeah. that's horseshit. But the- so one, there's such a precedent for like for Asian people being in this area. They talk about going for Chinese food constantly. It's yeah, like that's not primary- a great argument. <laughs> 
I mean, no, but it's like, but the guy was basically saying like, there's no, there's no precedent for Asian people being in this area, but they mentioned Chinese food and they have talked about judo classes a lot Regularly, over yeah. the last like couple seasons. And, and, they, and it's, it's not Mayberry. It's in Mount Pilot. He said that he's going yeah. over to the bigger city, which apparently has a, a, a bigger Asian pop. I can't believe that we're doing this. Yeah, man, you're just being a racist. Okay, okay. But getting away from that, getting yeah, away man, from the, that. Yeah, yeah, um, fandom user. I'm terms, not a fandom user. You're just being racist. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm arguing with a fucking racist person. Um, okay, but... A racist person from terms, 2018. So In terms of non-white representation on the Andy Griffith show, I mean, this episode basically gets the medal of fucking freedom That's true. by that unbelievably low bar because not only is there a person of color they on screen for more than five seconds has multiple lines he's is, is, speaking lines is, is, is a key named? plot point yeah great oh my does the, is a hero it does cool stuff and hangs out with the main characters i i wish yeah. i wish he had shown up again i just look he doesn't show up again uh oh I, no I, no they they're I, not. They're not doing this again. <laughs> I, I, I wish he had been a recurring character. That would have been great. So he takes the suit and he goes to Fred and he's like, hey, man, you know what I just saw? I just saw Barney take off his uh, talk off his uniform. But listen, you got to be careful. He knows him some judo. He been practicing. Mm. But, you know, if a man's going to do a thing, a man's going to do a thing. You go ahead and do this. Just fucking arrest him, Andy. Come on, man. Just, I, I mean, yeah, I can't say that the solution is no, I mean, better I, I can't. than arresting the guy. So, all right, let's just... Okay, so... You all know he, where this is going. He puts Mr. Izumoto in the suit, in Barney's suit. And so Fred goes to attack him. He's actually attacking Mr. Izumoto. And Mr. Izumoto does a judo flip on him and kicks his ass. Is that Which, better than arresting him? I don't know. Uh, he gets a guy to beat the shit out of another it. guy. That's it. All he does is just pick another guy to, to beat him up. It's, yeah, it's basically police brutality. He, he just outsourced <laughs> it. He, yeah. He, he just took police brutality and he outsourced it to the Asian guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's ahead of the curve. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so, yeah, it's outsourced police brutality. Um, they show Mr. Izumoto beating the shit out of Fred. Yeah, um, it's also will, really I, good. I will say, oh, it's a good fucking fight scene. It's like, great. They, go, they show Mr. Izumoto flipping him twice. Uh, but, um... How good of a guy is... How good of a guy is Mr. Izumoto, man? Where somebody's like, hey... I know you're busy, but do you want to put on my friend's suit and go uh, pretend to be him until somebody physically attacks you? I mean, and then beat the shit out of that person. I mean, Iza, and Mr. Izumoto. Izumoto was like, "Yeah, let me lock up. Let's fucking roll. Let's do this, bro." I mean, Izumoto is Barney's friend too, right? Like they're yeah, buds. And, he does and, like and, him. And, and, and Izumoto's like, okay, because he just said, "Yeah, Barney's in danger." So like, he's down. He's down for it. Hero, absolute hero. He's in Mr. Izumoto. It's the fucking man. Two, it's, this is really a clash of titans of guys I like um, it, uh, between Fred, American hero, and Mr. Izumoto. Grade A good guy. Yeah. Just the chillest bro if there ever was one. Um, It's it's like a reverse alien versus predator. I both want them to be best friends and hang out. I want them to, yeah, I want them to get a beer and just like, complain about Barney. Not like talk about yeah. assaulting Barney, but just if, if Zimoto is just like, I know he's annoying. Yeah. You want to just, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give you four bucks right now. Like, let's just go have a beer and just like talk about how annoying he is. Which, you, uh, you know what would have been a much better resolution to this fucking thing? Is if Fred had joined Barney's judo class. I would have been and adorable. then yeah. just gotten to beat the shit out of him, in, like in, in recreational class, class. That would be great. Yeah, that would have been so tidy. Like they could have done the thing where Andy's like setting them up to fight, but then they run into each other, be like, "Oh yeah, we get, we talked." He's gonna join the judo class. It's all under water under the bridge. And then you do a cut 
to uh, Barney at class seeing Fred there waiting for him. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been Bing really, bang boom. Been really funny. Yeah, oh, been really funny. Um, quick flurry right on that. Um, so uh, yeah, so that's what they do. Then Andy gives Barney a big speech about like. You're the law. You gotta represent the law, even when you're not wearing a um, uh, wearing a badge. He does that. He does the same speech he did with the farmers. He did the of same like, thing. Listen, I he gotta... does a, the limp wristed judge dread. I am the law speech. Um, it's the same thing. Fred... It's, it's, this shares so much of the same DNA. Listen, I gotta tell you, we are as we recording this. We are day two of the Writers Guild of America strike, and yes, support the writers, support the workers, the people Fuck who yeah. make. Um, but I think I think it's making sense now why the writers are so undervalued because the last time any of these fucking CEOs watched television instead of just making mm-hmm. money off it, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, the last time any CEOs watched TV, it was this shit. So the CEOs are like. Yeah, writing in that hard. You can apparently just use the same episode two or three times. Nobody notices. Jesus. Yeah. So I get it. I understand. I understand their, their idea. We don't. Where we that don't comes need, from. We don't need AI to write episodes. This shit's easy. You just crap it out, and then it's done. You write it on a cocktail napkin and the whatever. So uh, Fred has been beaten senseless. So he's now fucking terrified of. Uh, I don't think necessarily of Barney, of just life. He's now just <laughs> he's been, been beat up within an inch's life. So badly that he's just, he's, he's a broken man. Yeah. Um, and then, as a result, Barney is an asshole <laughs> who yells at Fred and then does his I'm a dickhead face and then walks away. And that's that's it. So, like, it would be one thing if he, like... <sighs> It's the thing that's always fucking annoying is like whenever they do these Barney like learns a lesson episodes, it would be one thing if he walked away and be like, you know what? I'm humbled, but I'm confident in myself. He's like, I'm a big man. And I'm, he just is a dick. Like he always, <laughs> the lesson he always learns is to be an asshole. It never walks away with him being a better person. He always walks away a worse person. Andy Meter. I I was lukewarm on this episode. I think you've talked me up on it. This episode's like a, a, I, a nine. I'll put it at like a nine. It's fun. I it's uh, fun. rules. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's 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 it's. Mm, I have to dock some points because it is so copy cutter of other like cookie cutter of what we've seen in other ones. But it's that weird. It's like just different enough. Bringing in Mister Izumoto is probably at least like four out of those nine points. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna go as high as nine. I'm gonna say eight. It's an eight. It's an eight for me. Yeah. Let's say eight. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll put it in eight. That feels right. Uh, um, and Barney score. I mean, portrayal of Asians is not great, but also like probably better than a lot of stuff that was rearing at the time. So I'm not gonna, not gonna, I'm going to say a seven just to be safe on the Asian, uh, portrayal thing. I feel like I'm just going to err on the side of racist, (laughs) like, I'm, I'm, I'd rather I'd rather go too hard on calling on calling this racist than not hard enough. That's fa- so, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Uh. Uh. Otherwise, though, not a ton here. Police I think brutality. That, I mean, no. I'm comfortable with a seven with the police brutality. I'll, I feel like that's got it covered. I'll, 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 I'm gonna put it at a five. I'm gonna put it at a yeah. five. Uh, yeah. But yeah. I, I, I don't think I don't think anything in this episode did like permanent damage. Uh. Yeah, at least not any more than anything else was at the time. Okay, that's good enough. Um, So I don't know where you can find us on the Internet anymore because I don't use Twitter anymore. I just I can't. I can't use Twitter anymore. So what I'm going to tell you folks is if you like the show, go tell somebody like seriously, I I, I don't really have any more outlets to, to promote the show anymore. So go tell someone about our show uh, if you like it. Um. You can get at us online. Just email us, breakingmayberry at gmail.com. Uh, I'm going to probably start using the Facebook fan page again, Breaking Mayberry okay. fans. We've actually had like a lot of really cool, like, we've had some, some recent posts on there. People are being uh, people are being active on there. I also think we had some new Patreon subscribers. Starchkey, Copper Popper, uh, Tumbleweed upgraded for us. Uh, $8 a month gets you everything. Gives you access to our Patreon. Gets you 
uh, the ability to vote and make us do bonus episodes get you all the bonus episodes we've had. Uh, well, like, I'm 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 back and refreshed and ready to work on cool shit like this. So we're gonna we're gonna do some streaming. Yeah, we're and stuff. dusting the cobwebs off. Baby. Up. So yeah, we're back. Join we're back. Patreon.com slash Breaking Mayberry. Email is Breaking Mayberry at gmail.com. I think that's it. The music you've heard at the beginning and end here was made by Max Ludwig, who is on Twitch as at Sleep Talkie. That's it for us. It's very late. We're gonna see you all down at the fishing hole. Boom 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 boom